Welcome to Igris Moshe A to Z. I'm Rabbi Dov Linzer, and this week we're going to look at three Q vote relating to e-education. This episode, we will start with a two Q vote that deal with uh, Rav Moshe's general philosophy of education, both in the school and at home. Uh, the first one we're going to look at is in Yoridea. Yoridea is because that's where the laws of Talmud Torah are found in the Shulchan Aruch. Yoridea 371, and it was written in 1972. And it's a somewhat long tshuva that is, gives direction. He's actually not even responding to any particular question. He opens by saying, I'm here to explain some principles that teachers in the school should know when it comes to teaching children, in particular in our country. I want to get back to that phrase, but the first is to note that he doesn't seem to be responding to a particular question, but he's positioning himself to give general guidance and advice to yeshivot ketanot, to the yeshivot, um, which are teaching Torah, to uh, school children in the uh, more uh, yeshivish world. And he sees this as a real responsibility as a religious leader, and this is really not so much of a tshuva. We'll see, he'll quote here and there from a medrash, from a rashi, but it's not a halachic discussion. It's real religious guidance, and that obviously is a major responsibility of any rabbi, and all the more so for somebody of the uh, stature of Rav Moshe Feinstein. Um, And he has so many tshuvot on the topic of education throughout his entire volumes of Igris Moshe, because he really saw this as a central responsibility and a central challenge for the Jewish community, for the firm Jewish community, in dealing with what it means to be in America. And that's the word of Bimdi Natenu. We've already seen that Rav Moshe's approach to America is one of a deep, deep sense of gratitude and what we owe America and how we have to act as upright citizens, live up to our civic responsibilities. And at the same time, he understood that somehow, sometimes the plenty and the wealth of America and the opportunity and the seduction of the outside society can present a real threat to uh, those that are trying to live a deeply from Jewish life. This came up, This somewhat of this tension, I won't say ambivalence because it's sort of strong feelings in both directions, but this uh, tension came up also in his discussion about Thanksgiving. Do we celebrate Thanksgiving, not celebrate Thanksgiving? That's more of a certain ritual and what does that sort of say as an identity marker. But this deals with the real deep values and the challenges that they present. So the word bimdinatenu in Rav Moshe is always a word to focus on, which can represent both the uh, amazing positive aspects of America, but also sometimes the deep challenges. In this tshuva, um, or in this letter uh, guidance, he focuses, I would say, on three primary themes. The first one is what should religious education fundamentally be about? What do we have to be teaching and what its challenges. Um, The second theme is how to deal with difficult students, students that might be a threat to the student body, or they're very hard to teach, and other issues relating to the administration of the yeshiva. And the, uh, the third theme that he deals with is the one that we opened with, which is the particular threats in terms of the larger culture of America. So let's go and let, let's take a look. So he starts by saying the following. Religious studies is not the same as secular studies. What's the difference? And he's, again, not saying, obviously, because religious studies are important and a mitzvah. It means our attitude towards them has to be fundamentally different and what our goals are. Because secular studies 
studies is just about making them understand. It's about transferring information, having them know the knowledge that you are trying to impart. We might add, you know, it's also develop a way of thinking, but it's all fundamentally intellectual. It's not relevant to the teacher whether it's not about moral education, spiritual education. Um, some might disagree and say secular teachers have to worry about that as well. But Rav Moshe is absolutely correct that the general attitude is we're teaching you a subject matter. It's not our goal or our interest to care how much this shapes character, shapes your act, your your attitudes, uh, shapes the way you're going to act. That's in secular studies. But when it comes to Torah... It's not just about the information. The information is really secondary. The primary goal of religious studies and of Torah studies is that the learning goes so deep into your heart and your neshama and your kishkas that you understand that this is what life is about, that it's about shaping not just certainly values and priorities, but even more, and character, all of that, and even more of that, your fundamental way of interpreting the world and of defining the, your purpose and meaning in life, and that that is what religious studies are about, about shaping that within the soul and the neshama of the students. And what has to result, our primary goal that has to result from our teaching Torah is that the students understand that they have to dedicate their lives to fulfilling the mitzvot, to living a life of Torah. And he says, and here's his reference, and again, in this two it's interesting that he, because it's not so much of a technical tshuva, he draws more on Midrash, on Rashi, on Psukim. And here's the first one where he says, Teach your children that they should speak of them. And quoting Rashi, that means that they're that constantly, all you talk about primarily, you're always going back to Torah. That is your primary discourse. And therefore he says, and that's that is our chiv in Talmud Torah, to teach our children that they should always be talking in Torah. But again, here, one could take a very litvakish approach, which Rav Moshe does other places, about Talmud Torah as an end to itself. Why is it important that our children always talk in Torah? Because Torah is the Iker. It's all about learning Torah. But here, he, he emphasizes that it's not just about learning Torah per se, that they should always be talking in Torah, but that they should be, their lives should be shaped around God, Torah, mitzvos, and that it's a fundamental way of shaping priorities, character, values, and really fundamentally meaning and purpose in life. So very beautiful articulation about what religious Torah education should be about. Then he goes on to bring another proof from Shemitah, the fact that the Torah mentions Shemitah specifically as one of the mitzvahs at Har Sinai. Rav Moshe says, why is it pulling out Shemitah to make this point? And he says, well, from Shemitah we can learn that that's a proof of that the Torah is from God. How is this? Because if uh, Shemitah, you're told to leave your land um, and not work it, and that don't worry, the land will uh, make up the produce. It'll you know produce for two years, for three years, because you keep it fallow in the Shemitah, that obviously nobody would have kept this if that promise wasn't kept, and how could the Torah make such a promise? And this obviously proves that the Torah is from God. That's not a new approach of Rav Moshe. But here's where Rav Moshe says something new. He says, so why, though, did the Torah point out this like by Shemitah in order to show you, or from this we see, that the Torah understood that you have to give examples to people to prove to them 
issues about our faith. And the Torah itself, and here's the line, he says, even in early generations, meaning the generation that the Torah was given, that everybody believed, God wanted, God used Shemitah as an example to tell us, this is how we have to teach people. We have to give them concrete examples so that they can understand how we believe in Torah, why we believe that the Torah is Misenai. And what's so beautiful about this passage is, you know, the Gemara sometimes uses God as the model. God says to Moshe, the same way I taught you for free, you should teach your students for free. And Moshe, and Rav Moshe is not saying, oh, from the Torah we learn this halacha, or we learn this principle. He's saying God is showing us, God is teaching us through Shemitah and showing us how we have to be teaching. And we have to be teaching towards Emuna. And then he says, in Cain, Bavonuseinu Harabim, in our state of iniquity, She'enenu roim hanes dishmita, so we don't see these types of miracles. It's not so obvious. How do we demonstrate to people, our children, and teach them this belief in Torah? We have to really work and figure out how are we going. Now we know what the goals are. How are we going to accomplish this? And certainly we have how much more is our obligation nowadays. Why? And here we see one of the challenges of America. Not just we live in a secular society and people don't believe in God and they don't believe in Yiddishkeit or in Torah Misenai. No, because the real challenge, the immediate challenge, is the influence of the larger society and the culture in terms of how people behave and what how people structure their lives. And that can have a negative influence on you know kids that are growing up. Therefore, So we really have to figure out if our goal is that it's not just about learning what a Rashi says or learning what the staff in Gemara says, but it's about shaping priorities, values, a sense of purpose and meaning. So we have to figure out how we're going to do this. Okay. So what's the secret sauce? How are we going to do this? So Rav Moshe in the next paragraph says the following. It's not through some trick, like we're going to do it, oh, by using the example of Shemitah. It's about a fundamental orientation about how we relate to our students, sort of how we as a personal examples, the relationship, and how we relate to the Torah and show that to our students. So here's what he says. After looking into it, I have the right advice. And the key word here is, he already said it's about emuna. so what is he telling me new? You have to explain to them belief in God, that God created the world, that God sustains the world. So he adds the idea God sustains the world. It's not just an abstract belief. If you believe God is actively sustaining the world, you'll see God more in your life and so on. But what makes that not intellectual? We already know that's the goal. And the key word is lahamtik lahem to make it sweet to them, that it's a teaching not just to the brain, but it's to the heart and it's to the soul. And we have to make this something that's beautiful and that they see the beauty of this. They see the beauty of what it means to look at the world this way. So it's not something that it's going to be accomplished by convincing them of some intellectual argument. It's by something that is going to be accomplished by showing them how this is your nishama, how this is the way you look at the world, how this becomes a beautiful way to look at the world. It's inspiring. It's deep. It's meaningful. It's something that anybody would want to. It's it tastes. It's delicious, and you would want to be part of this type of a life. Um, somebody, Rav Moshe doesn't quote the pasuk, but in this type of approach, I've heard someone uh, quote the pasuk, which says, "Tamu uru kitov Hashem." 
taste and see that God is good. That the key word is like tasting, lahamtik laham. It's not something intellectual. It's about real, a deep experiential type of way of seeing God and appreciating this way of looking at the world. And then he goes on. He says, So one is make it sweet to them, this understanding of God created the world, God sustains the world, and to make it sweet and delicious to them, that they should understand that living a life of mitzvot is more valuable than amassing an infinite amount of gold and silver, that this is what life is about. It's about learning Torah. It's about doing the mitzvot. This is the most precious thing that a person can do. That's not an intellectual argument, but that's something that you can really make that delicious and attractive to them by the way you relate to them, by the way you talk about it, by the way you model it. Teaching it this way in in ways of beauty, and show them the difference. And here it gets a little tricky, because until now it's been so beautiful. But here it, he says, explain to them, look, look at what it means to live a life of Torah and mitzvahs. Look in our community. Look at the way people live their lives. Look at how deep and meaningful that is. And then look at what they do outside of the firm community. And look at how meaningless that is. And it's a running after nonsense and always after one taiva after another and so on. So it is true that sometimes it is very helpful to educate by making a contrast. Uh, we do this when we make a seum, you know. They run and we run. We run for Torah and mitzvahs. They run for nonsense sense and to go into perdition. And it is extremely effective to actually hold those up as contrary examples. Of course, the the cost is that it could lead to a real looking down and denigrating of non-Jews, of non-from Jews. It could come with some cost, and one has to do that in a sensitive way. And Rav Moshe here does not spell out the possible cost. But he does talk here about the power of talking about the beauty of this type of a life. And one of the ways to, to make that clear is by talking about the nonsense of and the meaninglessness of another type of a way of living. One of the reasons of speaking in a denigrating type of a way, he doesn't say denigrating, but anyway, is that it should not be any temptation at all. It's one thing to say that you teach them the beauty of this life, but they might say, okay, I see that life of Torah is a life of beauty, but you know what? There's a beauty to be found elsewhere, and maybe it's not all about running after money. Maybe there's beauty to be found in exploring Shakespeare or art or who knows what. So, But if you really make a point of showing how much nonsense that other life is, then those other things will not be an attraction at all. And then Rav Moshe goes on to say, you know, sometimes even with a parent who's Shomer Mitzvos, it's how are you Shomer Mitzvos? If kids hear from their parents that like, oh my God, I had to give up such a big business deal and I had to lose out, you know, on a thousand dollars because I had to, because we were keeping Shabbos. He says, you're not teaching them how to keep Shabbos. You know, you could be actually teaching them the opposite or what you're teaching them is that how a major sacrifice keeping Shabbos is. And then they might feel they're not prepared to make that sacrifice. So he says, but if you teach them that, you know, why wasn't it a sacrifice that you lost the money by staying, by, by not working on Shabbos? He says two reasons. First of all, we have to have an attitude that we're only going to make as much money as God wants us to make through our efforts, but ultimately it's because God wants us to make it. So since God doesn't want us to work on Shabbos, working working on Shabbos is not going to make us any more money in this world. So that's one approach, but Rav Moshe realizes that not everybody gets to that madrega to believe that. But then Rav Moshe says this gets back to the question of what matters in life. He says when somebody spends, it's very funny, he says $50,000 on a large home. So he 
he was writing in 1972. We could add a, a zero or two. When somebody spends 500000 or $5 million on a beautiful, gorgeous home, they don't say, oh my God, it was such a sacrifice. I had to give up, you know, all this money for this beautiful home. No, that's why you earn money. It says, this is so amazing. I was able to spend this money to buy this home. And that's what I've been always longing for, such a beautiful, beautiful home. Shav Moshe says, teach them that about Shabbos. You're not giving up any money. It's an amazing thing. You are able to spend money or to not earn money so that you could have Shabbos, which is the most dear of anything. That's what life is about. It's about a life of Torah and Mitzvot. So he very beautifully here talks about how a fundamental orientation towards life and the way we look at the world, which its values and priorities, but it's much more a sense of purpose and meaning, what matters in life, that really from everything is going to flow from there. And that's what the primary goal of education is. And the way you do this is through, not through speaking to the mind, but through speaking to the heart. So he ends this section by saying, Every teacher has to, the word here, like there, there are powerful verbs here. Lahamtik was one we've seen. And here is lahashrish, to make it like set deep roots in the hearts of students. True belief, there's that sweetness again, and love and the sweetness of Torah and mitzvot, Shahu, and here he gets to the point he hasn't said yet, because so far it's about how you talk about it, how you relate to the students, you speak to their hearts. And now he speaks about personal example. It's how they themselves act and their own personal example in their lives, in the way they talk, in the way students can see that their teacher really comes from such a place of emuna, and that gives them emuna, and that inspires them. Right? From this, they learn a great deal, much more by how the teacher acts and is, rather than not just what the teacher says. And in terms of what the teacher says, speaking to them, it's how you relate to them, soft softly, pleasantly, they see the beauty of this type of a life and what it means in terms of the relationship you draw their hearts and how you relate to them. So very beautiful in terms of what our goals are and how we work to achieve those goals by, by, by teaching to the heart and not just or not primarily to the mind. There is one more line at, towards the end of the tshuva where he once again goes to this issue about the personal example where he talks about general principles about how who should be on your staff, how you should run your staff. And I'll just read one line, which gets to this issue about personal example. He says, it's not about, your first goal should not be um, that a teacher has to know the subject matter and be able to teach well. I mean, obviously that's a necessary criterion. But what you really need to be focusing on is, are they... God-fearing? Do they love Torah? Are they scrupulous with the observance of the mitzvot? And again, he contrasts this to secular studies. By secular studies, you don't care about the character of the teacher. Again, some people might disagree. But anyway, and he says, and even if a teacher lives their lives opposite to what they are teaching, people might still 
take it to heart. If a doctor, you know, smokes and tells you you shouldn't smoke, at some level, you still understand that what he's telling you is the right medical advice, even if he's not following it himself. But when it comes to Torah, he says, if we are not teaching by example, then we are fundamentally undermining what it is that we are trying to teach. They do not believe us that this is a way that one is supposed to live our life. It's not like about medicine. And therefore, the prime responsibility is that we have to teach and live by example. Otherwise, we will not at all accomplish what our goals are. I think that there's a Rabbeinu Yonah, Rav Moshe doesn't say this, that says that the line in Pirkei Avot, lo halimud ikar the learning isn't the focus, but it's the doing, does not mean that it's more important to do mitzvahs than to learn Torah, but it means that if you want to teach something to someone, or as Rav Moshe would say, particularly if you want to teach them something about a life of Torah and mitzvahs, it doesn't matter as much what you say as what you do. And that really is going to make the difference. Then he moves on to a section, which I'll only mention briefly, where he talks about challenges of students. Here he speaks about if a student is not acting properly, then because what we are doing is melechet shamayim, we're not doing this to make money, and we're not doing this just as a job, we're doing teaching because it's a mitzvah, we have to know that sometimes with mitzvahs comes sacrifice, and we have to work extra hard, and sometimes that's the beauty of mitzvot. So if we have to spend a lot of extra effort to deal with students that are difficult or that are having a hard time learning, then we should feel that that's the beauty that comes with doing mitzvot, the effort that we spend. So that's good encouragement for teachers. But then he deals with the point about that's only if the student is not a threat to other students, if they're not a bad influence on other students. But if they are a bad influence, you have to protect the other students. But the last line he says about this is, then you do have to get rid of him. You have to deal with this with like a great sense of weight and consequence. This is not a decision that should come easy. It's a very hard decision, and you have to give it the weight it deserves. Because ultimately, if you expel a kid, it's like their life, their religious life is at risk. They might, that being expelled, they might not go to a different religious school. They might abandon a life of Torah and mitzvot. And maybe that's a cost that you have to be willing to pay uh, because to protect the other kids, but don't make that don't make that decision easily. And he also deals with issues about what happens if the kid is okay, but the parents, he specifically says the mother for some reason, basically says, I refuse my kid to have my kid wear a keep or put on tzitzit in this school. So Rav Moshe says there, look, the kid isn't doing anything wrong, and you might say we have to take the kid, we'll be a good influence on him, and so on. And Rav Moshe says that certainly would make sense. He's not doing anything wrong. Let's take him into the school. It's his mother. It's his parents. We'll be a good influence. But Rav Moshe says, but you really shouldn't take such a kid. Why not? For two reasons. He says, first of all, it's often that that kid, because he's not wearing tzitzit and a kippah, will, will have a bad influence on other students, not because he's a bad kid, but because other students might think they don't have to wear tzitzit and kippah and so on. And number two, it'll be bad because you are then telling parents that you're willing to compromise your standards based on, you know, their opinions. And then you're going to have the next parent calling you up and telling you, I don't think you should be teaching my kid this, and I think you should be teaching my kid that. And that's going to be very harmful to the school. So you have to let them know who's the boss, who sets the standards. And I think what Ramosha doesn't say is, is that if you stand up for the standards you believe in, then the parents might concede and say, fine, I'll let him wear the keeper when he's in the school. And Ramosha says, then you could take 
take him. You don't have to insist he wishes to keep it home. Now, the last part of the tshuva that I want to focus on is where he goes back to the threat of the outside society, not just what religious education is, but what's the threat of outside society, mimdinatenu. And here he says the following, what it means to be living in America. He already alluded to the fact that maybe the way people act out on the street isn't something that we should be, as an ideal, could be a bad influence. But here's what he says. So here, the amazing, right, we're in the land of plenty, the golden Medina that God has given us. So what that leads to, being in such a country of plenty, is that it becomes very materialistic and very, people want to sort of satisfy their desires. Now, what does that mean? You know, another Rav could write about pritzus, right, about sexual fr- freedom and those types of desires. Rav Moshe doesn't even say you have to go that extreme. He says, Bechol tanugim, with all different types of pleasures, shikorin lezeh, good time. Gimel vav tet yud yud mem. I just want to have a good time. I want to go to the movies. I want to, you know, enjoy myself, have a slice of pizza, you know, go out to the park, read my novels, you know. So it's nothing that's in it intrinsically like a, an usser type of a pleasure, a forbidden pleasure, but it is a fundamental different orientation to life. Life isn't about purpose and meaning and Torah and mitzvahs and striving to always grow in those. Life is about just enjoying oneself, entertainment, good time. And that is, Rav Moshe says, a tremendous threat to the values and orientation that we are looking to teach our students. This can be very, very corrupting type of an influence. It says it teaches you to follow your desires and ultimately you might do transgressions. But even besides the issues of transgressions is the fact that it leads to a different orientation in life in which Torah and mitzvot are not the center. And therefore, what we have to do is explain to students what a life of Torah and mitzvot is about as opposed to a other type of a life. And even though the attraction of just going out and having a good time can be very seductive, that is our job to teach about why that is not the way one should be living their lives. And he goes on with a very beautiful passage about in one of the brachot in the Torah, Rashi explains that the bracha is that even if you eat a little, you'll be satisfied. And Rav Moshe says, but that's right after the bracha that you'll have plenty to eat. So why does it have to tell me that even if I eat a little, I'll be satisfied? And Rav Moshe says that what that is teaching you is that even in a land of plenty, like America, where you have all good things, you have to orient yourself towards a life that is not striving after having more and more and more and having all those things, but after a life that is about limiting your desires, moderating your desires, being happy with having just a little. You know, and there are people that live their lives in a very tenua way, be very wealthy, and they have, a, you wouldn't know it from their car, from their house. They, why, why do they need a big car? Why do they need a big house? And Rav Moshe says, if that's our orientation, that is the key. If we can teach our kids that, that will change the way they live their lives. And he ends this by saying, That even when God gives in a country so much wealth, Oh, why is God giving me such a land of plenty? Because my purpose in life is to get more and more money and uh, to become very wealthy. No, God forbid. This is teaching you this idea that even a little bread will satisfy you. Um, that you should be happy with just a little in terms of the physical and where you seek your pleasure and your meaning and your purpose 
That is in a life of Torah. That is what gives you not only pleasure in the afterlife, but that what really gives you a life of deep meaning and deep pleasure in this life. So in this tshuva, which is, as I said, more of a letter, you really see Rav Moshe. It's just such a beautiful tshuva because even bracketing the education point about where he really articulates what a religious Torah way of looking at a person's life is about and that that is our goal in education, how we have to educate to the heart and not to the mind. It's about personal example. It's about relationship and that this, what is the threat of America? Not demonizing America, you know, oh, pretzels and this and that. No, but there's a reality about the seductions and having a good time and a different type of an orientation to life. And that is not what our lives should be as B'nai Torah and Yirei Hashem Yitbarach. In a second Shuvah in the same volume, Yordea 276, written actually three years earlier in 1969, in a much shorter version, Rav Moshe speaks to parents, not to educators, and makes exactly the same points that we say, see elaborated on at length in the Shuvah we read speaking to uh, educators and how one should run a school. And there he says that when it comes to educating children, our own children, you know, should it be a strict disciplinary way or one that sort of is more out of love and care and that that's more on the surface? And Ramosh says, look, there's no rule. Kids are different. Some kids maybe need a more disciplinary approach. But he says, as a, as a general rule, it's much more successful to do it as an approach that shows love and care. And from this, if the child sees that you love them, you care for them, then they'll understand that what you are telling them to do and your parenting is coming from a position of care for them and they'll be much more prepared to listen and to follow. And that at a later stage, you also shouldn't just say, do it because I say so. If they're asking you why and they're at a level that they can ask that question, then you should explain to them why and let them understand what the reason is. And if they see where this is coming from, again, they will be much more prepared to follow. So this is very similar to the point that the way we educate starts in terms of our relationship and that sense of caring and not that sense of authority And then he says, what are you primarily trying to educate your kids about? You're trying to educate them about belief in God, belief in Torah. This will also help your parenting because then they'll see you as doing this because representing God in Torah um, and, um, and you'll be much more successful in terms of your parenting. And again, the core is that we're teaching them about belief and about a relationship to God and to Torah. And then he ends by saying, it's also very important that parents be on the same page and that children don't see discord among, between the parents and that it's very important that parents remember that they're doing this l'shem shamayim. Other things that we've seen elaborated on in the tshuva about educators, that the, the, the administration has to be in with peace, they have to be doing their work l'shem shamayim, and this type of attitude and orientation really will profoundly affect the success of not only schools, but here in this earlier tshuva of our parenting and of what it is that we are, the core of what we are trying to raise our children to be, which is, as he says, you know, God-fearing and ones that keep mitzvot, love God, fear God, and live a life of Torah and mitzvot. Thanks for listening to Igros Moshe A to Z with Rabbi Dov Linzer. This podcast is brought to you three times a week by Shivat Chovevei Torah. Don't forget to subscribe and check out ycTorah.org to learn more.